there, Jane. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dave Tyler. It's great to talk with you. And uh, I think we should all give Jane a round of applause for that uh, tremendous film. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thank you for watching it. <laughs> Good to see you. I'm, I'm actually, I'm like, I can see like myself on the screen. It's pretty trippy. <laughs> well, I know we're getting, you're getting the whole angle, hopefully of the, the whole angle of the yeah. theater as well. So <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Tell us, let's start by asking you where you got the idea for this film. Sure. Um, it's um, when you make your first film and, and, and when you make your first film in the way that I did, um, which, which, which was sort of a concerted effort to make it on my own terms and with, um, you know, and by proxy of that, without a lot of resources, um, you know, it was really this sort of like, all right, if you can only make one film in your life, uh, which thankfully won't be the case, I will make other films. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, when you go into your first film and, and, and you're thinking about like what you can make and the resources that you're likely to have, it's, um, it's such a delicate question because you need to come up with an idea for something that is, you know, obviously like you, you are willing to spend years of your life working on and that you care about deeply and, uh, and, and, um, that that's incredibly personal, but you also need to think realistically about what you're going to be able to afford and um, how to be restrained. Uh, I, I think is something that's very important for a, a young filmmaker, right? How to not sort of like reach for the stars and do too much and try to make your grand opus uh, right out of the gate. Um, and so all that to say, like um, when, when I sort of zeroed in on this idea that I found myself obsessed with of making a film about sort of like inspired by memories of growing up online and, and, you know, and my internet is, is a different internet than the current internet or the internet of my youth that is. Um, and it's a different internet than the internet in, in the film, but to make something inspired by like a, a, a large part of my childhood experience. And, and a lot of where, like, I think I sort of came of age and, and, and found myself or went looking for myself, which was sort of like, in the glow of that screen, you know, after hours in my parents' basement, um, uh, it, it just seemed like such a perfect, um, like way, way to do both things, way to make something that's like tr incredibly personal and true to me, but that also is, um, you know, it, it's such a, a chamber piece in a lot of, it both is and isn't a chamber piece in a lot of ways, because in, in one sense, this is a film of two people alone in two different rooms. And in another sense, it's a film that really disappears into screens and, and, you know, and sort of like traverses this digital space in, 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 a, in a much less um, claustrophobic way. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, I read, a, I was a little old for um, creepypasta, which um, if, if, if you're not familiar with that term uh, is the term for this community of people online. And it was sort of at its peak, at, I'd say around like 2009 to 2014, on places like Reddit and other internet forums and on YouTube, these platforms where people would essentially tell each other scary stories and pretend that they were actually existing in these scary stories. Um, and in, in any number of formats from video to audio to picture to written text, but basically like the internet's version of ghost stories or campfire tales or urban legends that because of the way the internet works were very participatory meaning that um, it wasn't just one person telling everyone a story. It was sort of like a mic being passed around from person to person. Um, when I read about that and, and when I sort of like discovered that community, which if I had been a teenager at the time, would have been my whole life. Um, it really brought me back to being a kid online and sort of like looking at scary things after bed and, you know, just sort of like trying to find something beautiful and these, these sort of like darker spaces on the internet. 
Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you, you mentioned the personal nature of this. What what games were you playing uh, in your parents' basement, and what were you? How did that how did that feed into your this film? What games was I playing in my parents' basement? Uh, jazz ball, I guess. <laughs> Just like no, you know, like N sixty four. I didn't really play like like I, I didn't participate in like RPGs or MMORPGs, like 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 that that being the term for like this sort of uh, game that flirts with reality, right? Like maybe I played like a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons as a kid, but I, I never really messed with that. Um, what I did do was write a lot of like scary stories and like fan fictiony type stuff. Like my mess, my message board of like my youth, the sort of um, equivalent in my early years to what Casey uh, is getting into in the film was a message board, like an internet forum uh, for the movie scream. I was like a huge fan of those movies when I was like 13 years <laughs> well, old. Sure, yeah. It was a, uh, there was like a section of that site for people to sort of like write their own scripts and stories. And, and yeah, you know, I was like 13 years old and I would be like writing these, like the, these scripts and making up these scary stories. And the way it worked on this message board was that um, you would sort of like make the characters in your story, the different characters from the message board, like the people's usernames and personalities, like everyone would fuse into each other's stories. So it, it was in a way this like this thing that I'm fascinated by on the internet of like blending the fictional and and the real, you know, the the personal and and uh, and 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 this and the fantasy. Um, and yeah, it was. Um, I definitely had some like strange, intimate but not intimate relationships with just like older people from from that space. There's this idea, I, you know, and I never talked about it. I never mentioned it to anyone in my real life that that was like a life I was living after bedtime, um, which I think is like, it is very much a part of this film and very much like a part of being young on the internet is the ways in which it can feel both um, real and totally unreal, um, you know, and it's so easy to compartmentalize like an online life from a real life. And, and I think that's a lot of what this film is interested in is the ways in which that space can enable identity play or expression or creativity or, you know, something darker um, and, and the ways in which that can both feel like incredibly intimate and totally just like not real because it's contained in that bo that glowing box that's contained in your basement. Right. right. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit more, because so much of the film is about where that where that line ends, where the end of that screen is uh, for both of the, the main participants in the film. Um, were you were you making conscious decisions about just how much of that life was bleeding off the screen for these characters? Oh yeah, the um, the film is like I think like quite obsessive in its structure, very formal list in its way, and very um, like a thing that I was very concerned with while developing the movie were sort of what I what I would think of as like the margins of the film, like what the camera was allowed access to in these people's lives. And um, so much of like the creative intention of the film was to really make something that felt like honest to this strangeness of, of, of the internet and the strangeness of what I was just talking about, those relationships that are both incredibly intimate, but then also like, you know, you fall out of touch with someone and you realize maybe you didn't even know their real first name. Um, and, uh, you know, I really wanted the film in a lot of ways to 
feel like this merging of like an, a language of the internet and a language of a film, um, but in its emotions and in the way that we're relating to the characters and the sort of like central tensions in the movie, I really wanted the same thing as well. I wanted it to feel really true to how like ambivalent a lot of these online relationships and communications can be. Um, and so the, the rule, like broadly speaking, that I set for myself is that we wouldn't really know much about these characters outside of what they would know about each other, right? Like we, we understand that like this is a character named Casey, but then by the end of the film, we're even left to question whether that was this person's real name. Um, we don't really know where she lives. We don't know what her home life is like beyond just like the briefest hints that maybe there's like a distance between her and her father, which she of course alludes to in her videos. We see this gun, but we don't, you know, then we hear her bring it up. So we know it's really there, but we, we don't know intention. And I think that that's a, a very core part of the internet. There's this idea um, that's like sort of like a popular internet adage called Pose Law, um, which the stuffed animal in the movie is named after. And Pose Law is um, the idea that it can be impossible online to tell if someone is telling you the truth or trolling you. Um, and this is really um, taken to maybe it's like existential extremes in the film. And um, and 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 for you're right for for him as well for um, the, the JLB character. There's there's so much left unspoken there and. Um, you know, a lot of these relationships that I had when I was a younger person online, you look back at them and they can feel deeply predatory. And, and, and to the point where it's like, of course, when the word pedophile comes at the end of the film in that message that Casey sends to JLB, it's like that word had to have been in his head at some point, this person, like, you know, you, no one, no one is like ignorant to the dynamic of like, oh, you're like a middle-aged man talking to like what seems to be a pretty young teenager online but it's just a question of like, what is the intention there? Right. Like, and, um, and that's a, that's something that the film is quite interested in, but less interested in um, giving you a firm answer on, because I think it's much more interesting to like sort of leave, immerse the audience in that ambiguity. Cause to me, again, it is the ambiguity uh, that feels truthful to the experience of the internet. I, I was going to say that. And I, I had a question queued up about JLB because I'm still not entirely sure what, his deal is. And I was wondering if he was sitting in the, the room of a dead child. Um, is JLB sitting in the room of a dead child? Um, no. no. Okay. All right. <laughs> no. uh, but, um, but I, that's not the first time I've heard that theory. That's the first okay. time I've said no. I, I, I enjoy all theories that that wasn't the <laughs> That wasn't forget, the intention. Forget I said it. <laughs> no, 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 please. I, I almost feel bad for saying no, but that, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you, you talked about the ambiguity of the people. I want to touch a little bit on the ambiguity of the game as well, because here we are with a movie where the, the, the game is in the title and we have uh, so many references to the game and to what happens in the game and what happens outside of the game. And aside from that, uh, I'll call it the Activision clip of uh, the game in 1994. We don't really see it. And I'll confess, like in other movies, the game or the Internet it becomes the big bad, you know, the, the, the thing that is going to jump out and scare you. And at some points when the refresh wheel was going, I was expecting to see a, another clown somewhere, you know, come to life. But here we're not we're not doing that here. And it seemed like another conscious choice on your part to, you know, to to free 
to make the people the focus rather and what's going on inside them rather than what's going on inside the game. Yeah, I think that that's a nice way of putting it. Um, I was fascinated. I'm fascinated by this form. I'm fascinated by the form mainly, I think, as an artist who recognizes like something of themselves in, in the desire to participate in something like this. Um, and, and, and I'm also like fascinated by it um, as someone who's like kind of came to it a little bit late, right? Like I, I heard about the creepypasta community in 2014 and I just like Googling a lot about like the Slender Man, the experience of like starting to wrap your head around what one of these things is, is a very strange process. Like, cause like a lot of things on the internet, it's not non-linear. Um, maybe you like hear about, you know, this like some, some like, oh, have you heard of the Slender Man? You go home, you're like, what was that? You Google it. And like very quickly, you're watching lots of different people's videos and they're all sort of like spinning their own angle on it, you know? And it's like this sort of like open source mythology that if something takes off and, and a lot of these often do, they, they become incredibly convoluted. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe like you can eventually find like a Wikipedia page or something that gives you the linear history of it. And I did write a Wikipedia page linear history for the fake game within the film so that I understood it. But I really wanted to capture in the film this, I wanted it to feel a little bit frustrating, you know, like, and, and, and it's certainly that's Casey's experience with it is like, she's heard of this beforehand. There's this like very simple challenge that you take um, that's pretty broad at the beginning of the film. And then so much of like the, the video content that she watches and then that we watch during the film, it's almost overwhelming, right? And JL, JLB specifically says that, right? Like this can be very confusing at first. There's a lot of lore out there. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I really wanted to create that feeling in the viewer of, of being like overwhelmed and feeling like the film is only scratching the surface of like a, a pretty convoluted and, um, and like schizophrenic in that it's speaking from a lot of different personalities and, and voices who are all trying to take it in all of these different directions. Um, I really wanted that to be the feeling of it because to me, the heart of the film emotionally is this, this like war or battle of wills or, or power struggle that's going on between Casey and JLB. Each of them is trying to express a narrative. And that's really what happens in these games, right? Like people sort of like use it to express a narrative that they're interested in. And what starts to happen is that like, there, there almost becomes this like battle for dominance of the narrative between the two of them, right? Like JLB is trying to sort of control Casey's journey and Casey is almost like fighting back against that through her videos um, all while they're playing out this like very intimate relationship. Um, and you, really and start, oh, oh, sorry, say, you really start to feel that in the, uh, the tarot card scene. That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, what else can I tell you about the mythology? I think the other thing that, that really appealed to me about it is that, um, you know, this idea that, that, um, and it is, it's based on a lot of different creepypastas, right? I'm like kind of pulling elements from a lot of them. Um, but the idea that you do this ritual and then something happens, it's really like about as broad as that. Um, and I, and, and that was really important, I think, for, for what I wanted to express with the film, because of course it's so broad specifically. And that's like a lot of the appeal of these things is that it allows people to sort of play it however they want to play it. Right. And for Casey, it's like, all right, you did this ritual. Now something is going to happen. Maybe you're going to change in some way. 
by seeing the way in which she wants to I- express a change or, rep- or, or, or perform a change, perhaps that tells us something about her desires or fears or um, anger, right? It's like, what is what 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 is there hiding in 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 not in the game itself but in the, her relationship to it and the way she plays it right speaking of the way she plays it anna was was fabulous and it's hard to believe that you know that this was her her first film i, I understand from reading that she's got some other things lined up already but what what was it like working with her and how quickly did she uh kind of embrace the material and it was in- incredible I, I i was like dead set on not making this movie until we had found somebody who was like a once in a lifetime, incredible discovery. Um, and that takes a lot of work. We looked for months and months and thousands upon thousands of teenagers and, you know, a lot of professional actors, a lot of total non-actors. And Anna was the best of both worlds. Like Anna is somebody who hadn't done a lot of professional acting, but who wanted deeply to be an actor and was just phenomenally talented from the first reading. You could tell that she could anchor a scene the way that she does in this film. Um, but she's also so um, herself and so singular and so fascinating um, and watchable in a way that um, what you find when you look at a large number of teen actors who are more professional is that like a lot of their idiosyncrasies have been sanded down, right? And they're, they like just like a lot of teen actors sort of like feel like the CW version of a teenager, for lack of a better term. And that was like so... If, if that's what we had in this film, the film just wouldn't work, right? Like the, one of the magic tricks of the film is that you really do feel like you're peering into this person's bedroom, like a real a real person. And um, and yeah, I mean, we were so lucky to find Anna and we were also so lucky because Anna is, was just the most generous, warm, intuitive, brilliant collaborator. Like we worked, we did, we worked for months in the lead up to making the movie. We found her in October and we shot in April of 2019 and um the um or i'm sorry in 2020 we shot in april of 2020 found her in october 2019 and the um i'm sorry not april february what am i doing here um uh what is time covid um (laughs) we had about four months of prep and um so much of that prep was uh um, getting uh, getting on the same page about this very complex character. Like a lot of it was running scenes and doing improv exercises and literally choreographing. Like so many of the scenes in the movie that are nonverbal and these long takes, like we'd choreographed like every uh, every movement of, 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 of the face, you know, like uh, she, she was, she knew it by heart by the time we got out there. But I think the most important part of prep was getting on the same page, like so that she could really understand and find the character. She's a very different person than, than Casey. Um, there's a lot of her in Casey, but she's a very different person than Casey. And um, she, it, she, 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 one of the, I, I, she actually says it in 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 the tape she sent in. Uh, I was just watching it recently, like her initial self tape that she made for us. She says this beautiful thing that we talked about a ton while making the movie, which was. Um, she said that she she thinks that like every person is a lot of different people, uh, you know, depending on their mood or their day or or what what they're in doing or interacting with at any given moment. That like people are puzzles in this way, and so she came to the role like understanding what the intention was, which is that like we never quite see Casey. We never have Casey explained to us in this movie, and a lot of her behavior in the film is 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 almost um, intentionally contradictory. Um, like the character is intentionally trying to sort of fool us or troll us. Um, 
in certain ways uh, or, or, or just like stay, maintain some kind of power over us um, through, through these videos and these performances. Um, and, but to find like the sort of like innermost core of what was driving that character was a lot of the prep work that we did together. And just talking about like, just the key questions that it took a while for Anna to really understand was like, what is Casey for looking for? What is Casey looking for in this? And like, why, why would Casey be drawn to scary things? Anna doesn't like horror movies. You know, she like, really like, it took a while to understand like, why would this person want this? Right. Well, and, and that's another question here is there's a lot of loneliness in this film. Right. And, and so was one of the reasons we can assume the character wants some of this is attention and things like that. But there's, there was there, was there that you, you talked a little bit about the connection of these online communities, but the film kind of shows us that that all that also only goes so far, you know, uh, in terms of, of the loneliness that people feel. Um, do you think that's a, that's something we're all still grappling with today, especially as we see headlines about, you know, various conspiracy theories out there that we're, that people are latching onto. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of power in the, the statements about loneliness, I thought. Yeah. The, I mean, the, 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 the movie is definitely like, I think very interested in, in the, the good and, and, and maybe more troubling aspects of the internet. Right. And um, the, the ways in which like truth and fiction can be uh, collapsed on top of themselves on our, our current internet is, is something that the film is very interested in. I will say that to me, it's a film, uh, you know, a lot of what the film is talking about, I, I, I think is, is maybe most productively gleaned through, through a queer lens. Um, and that's not to say that like, this is a coming out story or about an explicitly queer character, but um, I, certainly for me, what I was looking for in those online spaces as a kid was something that like I wasn't getting in daylight, right? And um, a lot of, I think like when you look at a lot of like darker edged subcultures or subcultures that like other, you know, like more normative people might look at and be horrified by uh, like goth subcultures, metal subcultures, horror subcultures, place, you know, it's, you find it can be a place for people who again, just like aren't comfortable in, in the daylight you know, they go looking for things and maybe even find something beautiful in darker tones. And um, and certainly this character is like not comfortable in her own skin, in her own daily life. And um, and this this sort of um, desire to, uh, to to sort of like express herself or, or, or gain some sort of control over her identity through this performance online. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's like, um, it's, it's very much like the story of a young artist and it's very much the story of like a young person dealing with, um, de dealing with uh, trying to find an identity that feels truthful to them. You, you made a documentary on internet mythology. Did you know after you made that, that you were going to go right into something like this or did that inform your, your decision-making? The documentary actually started um, as a function of, of this. I, I was um, really fascinated by, I had already sort of like settled on the idea of making a narrative film sort of set in this emotional universe. And um, I was just doing, like I said, a ton of research into the creepypasta community and into this sort of like, the documentary I think is more overtly political and more about um, this sort of like snake eating its own tail 
truth becoming fiction and fiction becoming truth again, sort of QAnon of it all. Um, although made before QAnon was really a thing. Um, and uh, I, I was really just like sort of like doing research and looking for visual references and, and, and thematic references, just like falling deep down the rabbit hole that you can fall down online and um, started sort of like putting those visual references together in, in into a certain form and it, it just became its own project kind of but naturally I, I sort of realized that um the best way to talk about that to talk about this sort of like content uh cycle of youtube which is grotesque and totally insane was to make a documentary completely out of archival and completely out of like what I would call like first person sources, right? Like only YouTube videos. Um, and, and, and so it, it sort of became a fun, not side project, but project that I was working on while I was continuing to think about like what this, this, this film World's Fair could eventually be. And at, at the outset here, you talked about not wanting to make your magnum opus, but you, we, it really, there's a whole variety of techniques and, shots we get that long eight minute shot at the open we get all this found footage feel um you know so you're you're certainly reaching into a bag of tricks but it almost feels like this movie couldn't have been made any other way like did, did it feel that way to you as you were putting it together or was Definitely. that an yeah and and like i said that was the intention from the very beginning right like i i i hope to make another film in in this budget range someday because i i think it's really fun i'm working on a much bigger film now and um there's a lot that you can't do uh, with, with, with like a bigger crew, crew and, and more money and more rules and, and all of that. Um, you know, there were days on this shoot where it was like five of us and we were filming on photo booth on, a, on my old laptop, you know, like uh, there's something about that nimbleness and that sort of like DIY um, aesthetic that I find really beautiful and just a lot of fun. You know, it's a lot of fun. It, this was a lot of fun to make. Um, and, and yeah, the movie was definitely like what I'm proud of is that it, it, the movie, like you said, couldn't have been made any other way. It, 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 the form fits the, um, the, the sort of narrative of the film. Uh, and, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, let's film it on a cell phone because we can't do anything else. It was like, this is a movie about a certain feeling and a certain part of existence and the best way to make it is uh is 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 in this sort of um lo-fi way homemade is the word i would use well and and the form really really pulls you along right down to the refresh wheel where you're it almost becomes a character in the movie at a, at a certain point you're you're waiting for what's next to pop out so it really does pull you along uh, we're, we're running, a, we're running a, about out of time here. And I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with us and really enjoyed all this. I, it's been a busy year for you. You started at Sundance and I understand you're, you've been picked up by HBO uh, as well. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about where we might see you next and where we might see the film next? For sure. So the film will be in theaters across the country in April um, via Utopia Pictures and then later i think three months later so early summer it'll be on um hbo max uh streaming which is very exciting um and yeah i'm i'm in pre-production on my next film which i'm doing with um a24 and um uh emma stone and dave mccary's production company it's it's a movie called um i saw the tv glow um about similar things but 
in a different way. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's really fun to get to like, we're like making monsters and stuff for the next one. So it'll be, it'll be a lot bigger. And, um, and yeah, it's like a whole different sandbox. Um, so look for that one. I think we're going to shoot it next year. So the year after that. Okay, great. Well, Jane, thank you again so much. We really enjoyed it here, having you here and, and being able to share this movie with you. So thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks so much. Take care, y'all. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination.